Welcome to the Municipals. I'm Matthew. And I'm Philip. And uh, we're here to bring you your weekly local Toronto council, city council politics. There, I see I already fucked it up. <laughs> nope, we nailed it. That's that's who we are. It's what we do. We talk about municipal politics and sometimes we go beyond that because uh, we also, you know, all levels of government are pretty much screwing it up right now real hard. And that's fun. For us, but not for everybody. It sucks. So um, I promised you guys I would update you on the Santa Claus parade. So I was there in the pouring ass rain. Um, John Tory was there. Oh, shit. Yeah. I didn't heckle him. I didn't uh, say anything. Um, it wasn't the right time. You know, kids are around. <laughs> Um, Respect. Yeah, but also um, Mark Grimes wasn't there, obviously, because he he lost the election. Amber Morley was there, and um, she knew who I was. Yeah, she knew who I was, and uh, I said, "When are you going to come on the podcast?" She's like, "Uh, "She didn't commit to a date, obviously." She. She's walking by the parade, but uh, I, I feel like if we reach out to her, she'll come on the podcast. That sounds insanely cool. I'd love yeah. to talk to Amber. Yeah. Um, Man, she knows who you are. <laughs> I, That's so cool. I, I joke with my with both of my brother-in-laws. I, I say, oh, I'm a public figure. What do you expect? But I'm not, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not really a public figure. I mean, unless you know who I am, but. Buddy, we're getting there. We're we're making it. We're we're gonna be the guys. That's right. So, um, I didn't talk to you about this before we recorded, but I was thinking, um, next week will be our last episode for the holidays. So we'll we'll record next week. And then we'll go on a two-week break, and then we'll come back and continue to hold John Tory's feet to the fire. I'm I'm excited Sounds about that. Me. And when we come back, we'll record on the second of January for Wednesday, and uh, we're gonna have we're gonna be joined by Philip De Cruz. Ooh, first episode back. Yes. We're going to oh, be yeah. joined by Philip De Cruz, and he has his own YouTube podcast show called Cruising with Phil. You can find that on his social media, anywhere you guys look. So check that out. Me and so, Phil together, we make up uh, Phil Squared. That is us. Two Phils. Yes. That's awesome. Very simple. <laughs> so, so it was a light week this week because there was no city council meeting. I was incorrect because I, I i guess they do it every other week i think so yeah so the off week they have their tobacco york meeting they have the east york toronto meeting they have the scarborough meeting and they have the uh north york meeting so i watched as much of that shit as i could possibly uh tolerate I'm not a big fan of Stephen Holiday, so the Etobicoke one was especially painful to sit through. And I, uh, I must apologize because uh, I definitely did not hold up my end of the bargain 
by watching the Scarborough one. I wanted to. It, sorry, it escaped me. It's okay. I, skim- I will. I I promise to do better. I skimmed through it. Um, that's where a lot of the nitty gritty happens. Uh, you know, like um, applications for for rezoning for specific addresses and stuff like that. Um, but I do have a letter I want to read. Uh, so I guess Diane Sachs, who's the Ward 11 um, city councillor, is getting a lot of public negative feedback, I, I would only assume, because she released a letter, and I'm going to read yes. it. So it says... Um, Hold on, let me find the beginning of the letter. That would help. It was. It's dated November 25th, 2022. I strongly agree with Councillor Perks that City Council should hold a special meeting devoted to Bill 39 before it is passed into law by the Ford government next Thursday. I'm also firmly in support of Section 111 of the City of Toronto Act and an ally to renters both within my ward and citywide. At Council on Thursday, I made a motion to ask the province to entirely withdraw Bill 23 because it because of its damage to tenants. As many other aspects of the city, and I am pleased that a similar motion was passed. I also supported a motion to amend Bill 23 to make it less harmful, including restoring tenant protections. These protections have kept over 15,000 people from losing their homes over the past few years. Concerning Bill 39, during the same council session, Councillor Perks asked to be able to debate Bill 39 as part of a motion to receive staff support on Bill 23. Speaker Nunziata ruled that this was not included in the item before council. I voted in concurrence with the speaker. As a procedural matter, she it was correct. Bill 39 was not on the agenda and council was due instead to discuss Bill 23. Bill 23 is an outrageous provincial venture that the that the mayor and the councillors need to denounce as strongly as possible. This item deserved the full attention of council as scheduled. In a message to my constitu- constituents this week, I made it abundantly clear that I view both Bill 23 and Bill 39 as yet more evidence of the Ford government's undemocratic impulses and a blatant example of the irresponsible use of the province's power over the city. Like other progressives and moderates on council, I have serious concerns both with the substance of the bills and the process by which they've been enacted. In my message, I repeated a call to explore charter city powers for the city and explained that I have firmly and constructively registered my concerns with the mayor. Right now, I see a possibility of a unified rejection of Bill 23 by Toronto and other Ontario cities. We learned again that this fall, uh, this fall that Ford will sometimes blink when the political consequences are high enough. We had a significant achievement on Thursday in unanimously opposing Bill 23. It would not have been possible if Bill 39 had been part of the resolution before council. Council should be focused on working together to get things done, and I will always favor the substantive over the performative. I do recognize that Mayor Tory received a large absolute vote total 
than all 25 uh, city councilors put together in the latest election and that there can be a justification for the mayor having stronger powers. But such significant changes to how democracy functions should not be rammed through without analysis, justification, and consultation. I accept mayor's Mayor Tory's assurances that he will only use these dangerous powers where he believes that they are genuinely needed for the benefit of the people of Toronto as a whole. However, that would not be necessarily that would not necessarily be true of all mayors and the wording of the bill is dangerously broad. If the upcoming city council is collaborative and works together in the public interest, we should be able to pass essential bylaws such as the rooming house bylaw without trashing democracy in the process. As you will see from the questions, I have asked the mayor to give council a try before he asks for bill 29 to be passed. I don't know where she came with bill 29. Uh, she, that's probably just a typo. We should learn. On her part. Yeah. We should learn soon what he has decided. Reasonable people may disagree on how power should be shared between the mayor and council, uh, but no one should be blind to the undemocratic impulses of Doug Ford and the dangerous long-term consequences, especially in an era of climate change and growing vulnerability and inequality. While the mayor and councils discuss Bill 23 and 39, I will always remain conscious of these large dangers. Signed, Diane Sachs, Councillor for Ward 11, University Rosedale. Your thoughts? I know that was a okay. lot. No, no, no. It's a lot, but it's, I feel like the central issue, like, of course, it's, of course I'm going to phrase it as an issue, but it is an issue, is it's cowardice under the guise of procedure. It's like, listen, I voted this way and you guys are reading it wrong. You're saying, like, I didn't want to do this, but it's procedure. We have to do things the right way. But if, but by doing things the right way, I mean, Bill, didn't Bill 39 pass? Like, no, Toronto Bill, City Council didn't. Bill 23 passed. Bill 39. Oh, 23. Um, either way, they passed, and Toronto City Council didn't get a chance to talk about it. And that's because of that vote, because of, you know, that blind allegiance to procedure. Well, no, no. You know they, I mean? So they discussed Bill 23, but it was passed by the province anyway. Uh, Bill 39, yeah. as far as I know, has not been passed yet. Either way. Um, I think I think the, I think it's going to be passed this week. I'm not sure. But I've got more to add. I'll let you finish your thought and I've got more to add. <laughs> All right. So. <laughs> If 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 I'm off base, I may have uh, on the timing of the voting. I still hold true to the main issue of the whole statement being cowardice to procedure. Instead of instead of doing what you think is right, just saying we should have this conversation now. Instead, it's just like, well, the rules say we have to do it a different way, but the 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 premier has used the notwithstanding clause. You know, and I know he's not using it here, but I'm just saying in the past to basically say, I don't care about the rules. I feel like we sort of have to have a urgency when we talk about the province and how they do things. And just by like, I don't know, cowering to procedure, 
is just I think it's it's not it's not rising to the moment, I think. I agree with you. And uh, so let's continue because now that I have a tweet in front of me, uh, I can't remember what day this was on, but it was from Josh Matlow, uh, city councilor for War 12. And he writes, Mayor Mark Sutcliffe and Ottawa City Council have now formally rejected Doug Ford's offer for undemocratic minority rule powers. Mayor John Tory must call a special meeting of Toronto City Council, rescind his request for these powers, and commit to the basic tenets of democracy. Yes. Um, I mean, I feel like I agree with Josh um, on a lot of things. Like, he's very much, I would say he's aligned with my views of, like, He's he's the opposition to John Tory. That again, oh, yeah. Diane Sachs oh, yeah. is sort of like like yeah, is sort of like count you know bowing down to, not bowing down. I don't want to phrase it like that, but and I'm not saying that Diane Sachs is is positioning herself as being a Tory loyalist, but she's she's like positioning herself as loyal to. I want to say the institution which is like very Canadian polite of like following the rules, even when everyone else doesn't um, Josh. Sorry. I, I wasn't even making a point of what Josh said. I was just like, Josh's opposition to John Tory and he rules for that. So Good I for mean, him. for those who don't know, Toronto and Ottawa were given this strong mayor powers and basically uh, Ottawa uh, Mayor Mark Sutcliffe has basically said, thanks, but no thanks. I don't need them. I can run my city council without these powers. Which does seem to be a continued indictment of John Tory asking for them in the first place. Like, you know, not only was it like weaselly how he did it, like during the election with no no mention of it, no, he didn't campaign on it. He just asked for it in the background. And so to have Mark Sutcliffe, basically the second most powerful mayor in the province, be like, uh, no, we don't. What what is that for? It's like it should make you question what John Tory sees them for. What does he see them for? Why did he need to ask them? That's a great question. Um, my answer would be that he. He needs them to get keep people off his back. You know, we're all discovering that he hasn't done anything. Smart track, fail. Rail deck park, fail. Um, I'm sure there's more. Do you want to think of a small immediate one I can tell you right now? Sure. Like a month ago, he announced he was going to do a blitz of basically doing his job. You know, he was going to clean up the garbages and the parks and all that stuff he was going to do a blitz of again his job and it hasn't happened like oh. he i i know government moves slowly but when the whole election a lot of the election is about your failure to do even the simple small things and then you say that's what i'm going to do hyperdrive we're going to get it done and it doesn't happen that's embarrassing you know, there was that shooting. Was it in Scarborough at that school? It was outside the school. I believe it was Birchmount. Yeah. Okay. So Birchmount. I remember after that shooting, I can't remember if it was on the news or in the paper, but I saw it and he's like, 
we're we're gonna I'm gonna talk to the community because because this this can't continue. And like he doesn't know what to do to stop the violence. Yeah. And that that could be the only point. You'll never hear me say this again. That will be the only point that I agree with Blake Acton on is that the violence is out of control and that Mayor Tory doesn't know what he's doing. Everything else I don't agree that's, with. I don't agree with Blake Acton. But but that's a fair point. It's and I, I feel like it's it's part of the the ideology. Um the ideology here is that they have no solution to violence except for police, more policing. And um, I mean, that's, that's not really important here, but it's like, I mean, a, uh, you and I both know that John Tory, John Tory won't come to Scarborough. There's no election going on. He's there's no reason to come to Scarborough. (laughs) Well, let me ask you as a, as a former candidate and, and I know I talked about it during the election, but why do you think that, uh, the rising crime was not a bigger discussion during the election. Um, actually, I, I guess I'd be a bad person to ask about it because like, um, I haven't, I hadn't thought too much about it. Um, I mean, I think a big, in general, not just to, to what you're saying, but every issue in this election was quiet because all of the media was quiet about it. You know, it was the declared boring election. And so, you know, it really seemed like that was self-fulfilling prophecy by saying it's a boring election, by not looking into it, by not covering it, they made it a boring election. So then they just, uh, I just don't think any of the issues were covered adequately, really. Like, even at that's the a, debates, that's a good question. Even at the debates, what, why? Yeah, nobody asked about it. Really, and even at um, Ward Twenty, all candidates, not a not a question brought up. Any of the ones I've seen, you're right. It's it's not a question that's brought up. I, think that's, I also don't have a good answer for it, but I think that's luckily. I, I'm, I think that the fact that it wasn't p- more part of the election is bullshit because this city's been out of control. I believe it was 2005. Jane Kriba got shot uh, on Boxing Day on Young Street, and ever since then. I mean, we all had, you know, there were shootings, but it was never like it was from 2005. I couldn't be getting my dates wrong. I, I'm, I'm starting to think it was 2007. Anyway, it was one of those years. And ever since that point, it's been out of hand since. And yeah, it was out of hand during the Rob Ford years. I'm not discounting that. So, I mean, John Tory is not the only mayor who didn't have an answer. But, I mean... Oh. That's probably the I mean, only. That is what I feel like when I say it's like the ideology doesn't have an answer. Uh, and I mean, I know I, I've said it to you, like my belief is that, you know, material conditions, you improve people's material conditions, you know, their lives are better. They don't resort to crime. But that's like a very that's a long term, very you fund it. And it will eventually come, but it's not like there's no short term solution to get to fixing people's lives. You know what I mean? And so I, God, I I do feel like it is, it's a hard problem to solve in the short term. What about the fact that it's it's not really, I mean, we're, we're on the front lines. The municipalities are all on the front lines, but it's, 
technically it's it's not really a municipal issue in terms of making it stop. That's more of a federal issue. They control the, the court system. They control the criminal code of Canada. Um, that's true. I mean, I guess um, <laughs> I'm not, I wouldn't really know where to go with, um, like, I, I guess it depends on where we think the violence is coming from. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, the city has its hot pockets. Let's not put our heads in the sand. Scarborough, parts of Scarborough are, are bad, um, especially oh, yeah. um, where that that shooting took place a while ago. It was years ago off of Morningside. I can't remember the street name. Uh, Danzig. That's a bad neighborhood. You know, and I mean, let's not pretend Jane and Finch is not bad because it is. Oh, no. Like, that's like classic. You just, you know the, the location. I'm afraid of Malvern and there's parts of Parkdale and Rexdale. I mean, let's not... And of course, now now Etobicoke Lakeshore with 10th Street and Lakeshore. That's 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 yeah, that's really bad. But uh, let's continue. I got another letter here from Gord Perks, Ooh. By, who, by the way, uh, I did reach out to Gord Perks. Gord, if you're listening, thank you for responding. Um, he he can't fit us into his schedule right now, but maybe down the road. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, but I got a letter that he, uh, I guess he submitted to the media. It's dated September, uh, December 2nd, 2022. Mayor Tory, during our city council inaugurations, you shared your intention to have Bill 39 debated at city council. Bill 39 is a threat to the fundamental part of our democracy, taking away majority rule from Toronto City Council. Torontonians are continuing to raise their voice in opposition both to the specifics of the bill and the undemocratic move to bring it forward without consultation. With Bill 39 scheduled to receive final debate by December 8th, I urge you to call a special meeting of council to discuss this bill so that there is an opportunity for input before it is passed at Queen's Park. Everyone across our city should have the right to have their voices heard through the their de uh, democratic local government. Your commitment to a special meeting of council to debate Bill 39 is appreciated. However, the timing of the meeting is crucial. A special meeting of council to debate Bill 39 before December 8th is necessary. Thank you for your consideration. Gord Perks, Toronto City Councilor, Ward 4, Parkdale High Park. You know, even just a theoretical, this, I feel like even just that theoretical meeting of a debate on this bill, I feel like would be very interesting to listen in on in council. Like, because obviously we know where John Tory stands and vocally the other councillors have been against it. So I would like to see in a council setting how that would play out. I disagree with you on one part. I could tell by listening to the first council meeting which councillors are going to vote with John Tory and Brad Bradford. Oh, I mean, sorry, Brad Bradford's one of them. So is Michael Thompson. Um, no, no, no. I, I'm not saying that they would vote. Oh, like I'm saying out loud, they've said their opposition to the bill, but I'm curious how they would in council 
they I feel like they would defend it like vocally in council, and uh, it would just that would be interesting to like play out. Yes, definitely, and you know, I mean, I watched it, and Gord Perks was one of the one of the passionate voices. I mean, if I haven't given enough credit to that man, Gord Perks, uh, Josh Matlow, Mike Cole, James Pasternak, even um, uh, Paul Ainsley, I think you said. I know Paula Fletcher or Paula Fletcher, (laughs) the two Pauls. Um, I don't think Paula would appreciate that, though. Speaking of Paula Fletcher, she uh, wrote a blurb on Facebook, and I'd love to read it. And we're kind of switching gears because this is away from Bill Thirty Nine, but um, I didn't I didn't have enough time to stack this in order, so we might actually go back to Bill Thirty Nine in a bit. It's all good. Uh, she writes after so many years of hard work and perseverance, we celebrated a major accomplishment today. Uh, formally transferring ownership of 760 Toronto community housing uh, company homes to two affordable housing not uh, nonprofit organizations. The homes are scattered through the through the city, many of them in Ward 14, Toronto Danforth, and are going forward. Th- and going forward, they will be operated by two not uh, nonprofits. Uh, the first one's called Neighborhood Land Trust, and the second one's called Circle Community Land Trust. The City of Toronto is investing in improving and in maintaining the home's state of good repair, supported by the federal government. The transfer comes after Toronto Council heeded the call from the community and directed the transfer of these homes as the first phase of Toronto's tenants' first plan. I can't overstate how important this good news is for larger families in need of affordable places to live in Toronto. It shows how compassionate, inclusive, and welcoming our community is, and it makes me very proud. Your thoughts? You know, um, <laughs> I want to, there's a shirt I want to get, and it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's like, I saw it before, like, the election came, and I was like, this would be so perfect for me. It says, my tummy hurts and I'm mad at the government. And I, I I say this because I do feel like most of my opinions on our show are going to be very negative, very like upset, very mad. You know, <laughs> what are those clowns in Congress doing? Those clowns, etc. But, you know, and so I start with all that preamble to also start with the only, my only negative thought here is always, you know, it's not enough, but it is good, right? Like this is just, this is, um, this is housing. Or do I misunderstand what it is? No, no, you're right. The only thing is, is that, so the city of Toronto owns TCHC, the the number one right. landlord in the city, the, the most powerful land, whatever the fuck you want to call them. They can't handle those units, so they're going to pass them off to not-for-profits to fix them. Oh, okay. So it's so the situation. Okay. All right. So clearly, clearly, I mean, I I mean that, that's how I that's a, that's how I see it. I'm I'm no, happy. If, if that's, I thought these were like brand new units. No, there that exists. was like becoming 
never mind. You know what? My my positive take is gone. Back to my tummy hurts and I'm mad at the government. God damn it, Toronto, get it together. <laughs> I thought I thought this was a story about brand new housing, and I was like, oh God, Matt, this is such a feel-good story, but it's not enough. <laughs> so I, I'm gonna uh, great. I'm gonna go off on a little bit but, of a tangent uh, that is related to this. This is something I don't think I've ever spoken about before. So I used to live in Birmingham Homes Co-op. It's a little co-op in South Etobicoke. That's where all the violence happened. It's at 10th Street and Lakeshore. Um, And the co-op was subsidized, funded, whatever word you want to use by the city of Toronto. But they were breaking so many rules. So in this co-op, the members, meaning the tenants, form a board of directors. So we had a couple of ladies and probably others that I'm not aware of, but I'm specifically zoning in on two ladies. Every time they wanted something, new carpet, new floor, something expensive done to their unit, they would join the board. And vote for these procedures to happen. And spend the city money doing it. And the coordinator, who's no longer with us, so I'm not going to disparage her, let it happen. I used to be on the board. In fact, for, for a cup of coffee, I was the president. Wow. Um, it wasn't that long. It was like a week because <laughs> I was cool, I was tossed. And I'll tell the story. So I used to be president of Alderwood Softball Association. I don't think this is a story I've ever talked about before. We're doing what you wanted to do. We're delving into Hell our yeah. past. Yeah. Um, so I became the president of Alderwood Softball Association in 2013, in the fall. And I love baseball. Anyone that knows me knows I love baseball. I got injured when I was younger. I never, only thing I ever wanted to do in my life was pitch in the majors. I got injured while I was in foster care. It never happened. Life changes, you move on. Um. So when that happened, I walked away from baseball. All it took was my, my eldest daughter, who was young at the time, to play baseball or softball, excuse me, softball. And, I, and they needed a coaching spot fixed. They called me, hey, do you want to coach? So that was the first year. And we didn't win the season, but we qualified. Everyone qualifies for the playoffs because it's house league. But we won <laughs> the playoffs. So for me, that's oh, a winning yeah. season, even if I didn't win the season. They're like, no, you didn't really win the season. The season champions won the season. I said, but we won the playoffs. I said, <laughs> don't you know anything about softball? So when I became president, <laughs> when I became president, I wanted to make I wanted to enact changes because I wanted to build the, the league up. I wanted to have a select team of baseball where I can take these kids. Uh, you know, we had a, we had a meeting. 
and uh, we had an executive meeting. Um, I'm going off on way longer than a tangent, but I promise you I'll get back hey, to that. Uh, so we, where was I? We, we had a meeting and cause we had money put away because the, the, the baseball association, they all, they all um, operate as not for profits. So we had a little bit of savings and I said, let's use this money and let's form a baseball team that's going to play competitive baseball. And I'm going to coach it as the president of this league. And Matthew, you can't coach it. You don't know what you're doing. I said, yes, quick I, pause. I said, it's how, sorry, how cool, how cool is it? <laughs> president King. Great title. <laughs> Incredible uh, title. I love it. Take maybe, that with you where you go. Maybe that should be a t-shirt. <laughs> why not there you go um so we're just adding to our repertoire of merch now right which by this the way the merch brainstorm which why by the way phil and i are working on uh i hope over the holiday we're gonna have it out um probably not in time for christmas um and i'll, I'll get to why later but anyway so i had this meeting um where i made a presentation and i said if you guys grant me this and we can do this team. I will take the youngsters we have. And we had at least four kids, maybe five that could have made the transition from softball to baseball. It's not really, I had somebody tell me, you know, softball and baseball are as different as golf and tennis. And I'm like, are you high? What is wrong with you? It's an easy transition to make. The ball is a little smaller and it moves a little faster. That's basically the basic premises. I could have taken these kids and within three years, we would have been in the provincials. And I'm not saying that to flex. I'm not saying that to boast. I'm saying that because I believe in the kids that we had at the time. And I believe in myself as the coach. So also that year, I was coach again of a house league team. But I got a lot of shit for that. You're president. You shouldn't, you shouldn't be coach. I said, you know what? When I'm coach, I'm not the president. I'm the coach of this team. Um, you know what? It was the one thing Rob Ford did that everybody liked. He coached those kids as the mayor. That's right. So you so you <laughs> stick it to him. <laughs> so I'll get to Rob Ford in a second because I, I, I got this story. So basically the same thing happened this year the, the the second year we didn't win the season but we won the playoffs but people were like oh you fixed the playoffs because one of the things i did in the off season is i changed the playoff format it's house league you you can't eliminate teams i'm like it's playoffs what the hell do you think happens <laughs> teams get eliminated but everybody has to win i'm like sorry it doesn't work that way <laughs> and and if you teach these kids the newer gen, the generation I was working with, and the newer generations that have come. If you teach them that that everybody wins when they lose or they fail, they will not be able to handle it, and thus creating mental health issues. You know, and that's the interesting thing when we talk about, um, you know, the participation trophy generation, and it, it's it's good because what you're saying, the the people who sort of talk down to those those kids are ignoring the fact that the kids didn't give themselves the participation trophies. It's the adults. Exactly. You know, the adults are the ones saying you can't lose. Exactly. And then saying, and then like pointing down at them, you know, so 
Interesting. Interesting. I gave, you know what, both years that I was the coach, I gave the same speech when I first started, when I first got the team together. I said, guys, we can win together. We can lose together. We can do whatever you want, but we're going to do it together. You bully your teammate. You're on the bench. I will suspend you. You will not speak to each other in any derogatory manner. And I had maybe one problem, but other than that, it was smooth sailing. Everybody supported each other. We had fun time. Hell, uh, in the championship game that we won, we put up 30 runs in the last inning. Holy shit. I believe it's the highest recorded amount of runs in one inning in a playoff game for Alderwood softball. But anyway, I'm getting off on track. (laughs) So, so before I had decided that I wasn't going to be president for two years in a row. So we were coming up on our new season. Sorry, we were starting our new season. We were starting our new season in 2014. And that is an election year, as you know that, for for municipal government. Yes. Okay. So I said to myself, we need to rebuild this league. We got a good amount of kids, but we need more. We could always use more, especially the older kids. If we're going to do this league, let's do this. I said, Let's have Rob Ford come out and throw throw out the first pitch. Never been done before. Let's do it. I brought that to my executive committee. Me, uh, not only did they shoot down my idea for a select league, they shot down Rob Ford throwing out the first pitch. They said, Matthew, he's a crack addict. He's a crack user. You, you can't have them around. He, you can't have that kind of shit around the kids. I'm like, he's alleged. And then when he admitted it, I'm like, um, yeah, he admitted it, but he, he's getting help. Are we teaching these these this woke shit where as soon as somebody does one thing wrong, you ice them forever? Let me let me tell you something. Okay, listen, I'm not defending anyone who goes to prison, but when you go to prison and you serve your time and you get out, that's it. The time for that specific crime is over. Unless you do something else and you get yourself back into prison, that's a different story. But for the time, right. the time for that is over. You know. Anyway, so that's just a. Uh, I, I thought I was thinking. My only thought there is, and not not even like um, to to agree with like their decision. Uh, because it is like, I feel like it's like, what you're doing is it's like a very local, of course, you'd want the mayor there. In their mind, I'm sure they're thinking of all the scandals, but it's like, who's who's going to scandalize this game? You know what I mean? And then, so we settled for Mark Grimes to come out and throw out the first pitch. Again, it had never been done before. But, oh, but you got him. I got him. Of course I got him. Oh, I mean, that's solid. He showed up. He but you was got someone to come up, yeah. So getting back to the co-op story. So um, I got frustrated and I left Alderwood Softball. I was going to start my own league called Alderwood Baseball Association just to stick it to them. <laughs> I started contacting the parents of Alderwood Softball, not not from our e- email um, 
uh, list that I did have access to as the president, but I specifically went up and spoke to the parents. I said, I'm starting a new league. Are you interested? It's going to be competitive. I think your son or your daughter, whatever I said, I said, I think they would do good. Can I have your contact information? They gave me email or, or I said, can I use your contact information? Oh yeah. I mean, same thing. They all said yes. Every single one of them. Then I got tossed because apparently it was a conflict of interest because I was using an email list that I shouldn't have for other purposes, which is complete horseshit. But anyway, whatever. So when I was the president of my co-op, one of the parents came back and, and, and said this to the coordinator and to the rest of the board members. And I was asked to step down as president. So I did, but I didn't do it without first telling them that they're all a bunch of losers, that this, <laughs> this matter that they're stuck on has nothing to do with them. It has nothing to do with this co-op. They're all, it's complete horse shit. And this co-op is going to basically rot to the ground. Anyway, I say all that. <laughs> that, that I, you know what? I took <laughs> Very the roundabout. I took the long way around. Um, this co-op, I believe, I believe if you looked hard at the books, you'd find things that you didn't think you would find. That's all I'm going to say. It's my belief. Um, take it for what it is. I really, really hope these new not-for-profits do not operate in the same vein, considering. Um, from what I read, they're going to be at least partially funded by the city of Toronto. Okay. Um, but then again, uh, as we've sort of discussed before, TCHC housing, they, they don't do a very good job of repairs on their own units, right? $1.6 billion this, dollar backlog. Yeah. I, I think this is a, this is, this is sort of a this is not the most optimistic take, but this is a we should give them a chance to screw up. Not not that we should hope that they screw up, but like let's let's hope that this group is more attentive than I mean we should hope for TCHC to be better, you know? But at the moment, if they're not, we should we should see what these these not for profits do first and hope they're not bastards. I mean, look at, um, I don't know if you followed Curie's um, uh, election campaign, but he was posting about all the TCHC buildings he went to to try to get in. And they didn't really want him in there. Gee, I wonder why. Well, and the funny thing was, at first, I really thought it was like an innocent procedural thing. So I like I sent him a tweet where I was like, hey, man, uh, you can go to your like we had this uh, campaign dashboard on the on the city website. And I was like, you can print out this letter from the city clerk that says you're allowed into the building to canvas. Like, I thought it was that I was so earnest in like, this is just a procedure thing. I, I got you, bud. You'll get through this. And so he got it. And, you know, we even had a chance to meet up and talk. That did not make a difference. Wow. You know, I feel like when John Tory finally leaves the office, you're going to be able to go into all the closets and see all the skeletons. I'm not excited. It's it's a 
it's going to be a disastrous 12 years. And that's, of course, assuming that he's true to his word and he's like, yeah, I'll actually, I am actually going to stop running for mayor. Well, I will say and this, we have to hope that he's true. Whomever is the next mayor is got one fucking giant task ahead of him. Or her. Oh, no fucking kidding. <laughs> so let's get back to John Tory for a minute because, you know, we love to brag on him. We love the guy. <laughs> I have he's a, our favorite not crack smoking mayor. <laughs> I have an article in the Sun written by Ben Spear, City Hall Bureau. Um, the headline reads: John Tory uses his quote strong mayor powers to fill key role without council's approval. In his first substantive use of the expanded powers granted by granted his office by the province. Uh, John Tory has used his, quote, strong mayor authority to appoint a new city manager, Mr. Paul Johnson. The city has announced Friday that Paul Johnson will be Toronto's top bureaucrat effective immediately. Johnson Johnson had previously been deputy city manager for community and social services and takes over from Tracy Cook, who was awarded the job on an interim basis. Your thoughts. Matthew, this is a straight up perfect example of my tummy hurts and I'm mad at the government because this is, this is, sorry, I, I really, I do love that shirt conceptually. I really do need to get that shirt for myself. Um, but this is exactly, it's, it's the most pessimistic form of lying like a politician lying where they say one thing and don't even hide the fact that they're doing the other thing. This is John Tory said, I'm going to use the strong mayor powers for housing and transit. Trust me. That was it. Housing transit. Trust me. And right away, right away. It's it's he's already, he's already failed to uphold to that. Who is Paul Johnson? I've never heard of this guy. Oh, you know, and here's the thing. Uh, I have no idea. And that's, in my mind, that's not relevant. Unless it turns out that, no, actually, even if it turned out that he truly was the best person for the job, no questions asked, I would, you'd still expect there to be a vote, a conversation, um, just not the dereliction of duty that John Tory has allowed to happen here. Let, uh, me th- let me throw a couple things at you. So let's, okay. as- let's assume for a second, he's using the strong mayor powers because he doesn't think that council will approve Paul Johnson. Why? So next week, well, that's why, that's why you have to, that's just, that's what you have to assume anytime he uses the strong mayor powers uh, instead of going through council, he has to assume that there's a problem. So I think next week we should devote at least 20 minutes to Mr. Paul Johnson. Let's get to know him. Let's find out where he's been and what he's done and and who likes him and 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 more importantly, who does not like him. That's a great idea. I just don't understand it without council's approval. So not two things. One, you're saying council wouldn't approve it. And two, you're robbing them of their their voice. The city manager basically runs the city 
in lieu of counsel when, when you know, whenever they're off or on break or, or whatever the fuck, and answers to only the mayor. And, like, just by the fact that um, Tracy Cook was, I know she wasn't put in permanently, it was an interim role, but she was essentially rubber stamped in. There's only one vote in opposition. So it doesn't seem to me that John Tory would have had a hard time getting a vote in his favor here. So he just flexed his muscle just to say, fuck you guys, I can. Yeah. And again, and to what you were saying, if the answer to that question is, well, they wouldn't have rubber stamped him. Why? Which is, you know, to what you said. So, uh, one of the last things that I wanted to cover is from a woman named Diana Chan McNally. I don't know if you're familiar with her from Twitter. She writes, Logics Security, who received $500,000 to surveil encampments, have also been awarded $22 million for citywide security. Incredible what will commit to security services on top of the city of Toronto's own corporate security and police. No money for what actually makes Tio livable. And she's included a proposal. I guess it's a, I don't know if it's an invoice or like um, it's a, Oh, it's a request for proposals, citywide security service. This RFP is an invitation by the city of Toronto to prospective suppliers to submit bids for the supply of security guard services at various city of Toronto locations, you know, like the parks, $21,978,660. And um, so Logic's, um, Logic's security has an executive team and a board of directors. I'm going to read off these names. I've never heard of any of these people. You probably haven't either. Uh, Doug Emsley is the chairman of the board, president, and CEO. Uh, That sounds like he's power hungry. He's got three top positions in the company. Uh, Brad (laughs) Farquhar, we fuck up names, uh, director, executive VP, and CFO. Gord Nice Stoon. I fucked that one up too. Uh, Vice President Blair Ross. That's a that's gotta be a made-up name. Blair Ross, <laughs> Chief Operating Officer. Okay, and then their board of directors is Doug Emsley again, Brad Farquhar, David A. Brown, the lead director and member of the audit committee, David H. Laidley, director and chairman of the audit committee. And Lorne Hepworth, director and member of the audit committee. So these guys just submitted a bid for $22 million so that the city of Toronto is paying these people to parole the parks and get rid. Because there's, um, I saw this thing on Twitter. Uh, This person took a picture of a Logix van. It's parked in the park, up off the curb, off the sidewalk, in the park. Like on, on the grass. Yeah. Quote unquote, keeping an eye on things. So they're basically getting them ready for illegal evictions. So we're doing this shit again. Tracy Cook is gone, but we're still doing this shit. 
So is it going to be Paul Johnson making these calls? Because I don't think it is. Was this work? <laughs> was this the the last thing Tracy Cook did, or was the mayor pulling the strings? Because they're they're all puppets. I'll fucking say it. They're all puppets. Was the mayor pulling the strings all along? Like, I think what's uh, God damn it. <laughs> like, okay, what you were saying before to the things that weren't election issues but really felt like they should have been. I mean, I know I personally spent a lot of time thinking and talking about policing in the city, but we also talked about wasteful spending. And the number one thing really was those, or at least number one in my mind, was those useless security contracts in the parks. That was just to, like, they didn't provide security. It's just about harassing the unhoused, harassing vulnerable people. So, like, they're preparing to evict people in the middle of winter to go where? Like, it's considering that the Novotel Hotel is closing. Yes. Um, and that was that was a thing that always uh there's a Nova Hotel, Novotel, and there was um there's another one. The Bond? Um The Bond, yeah, yeah, yeah. Th those are the two I was thinking of. Is the Bond and I remember is the Bond still operating or is it closed? I believe it closes um I thought it was like December. Um, I think it was late December, but I could be wrong. Uh, it's been a while since I've uh, seen any of that. But it's just the fact that you can see the 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 outline from the city that's like um, shut down of these shelters, and then and then there's a timeline where they open these new shelter spaces that's like more permanent housing, which is great. But the time frame is like. Uh, you know, the closure of these hotels is end of 2022 and the opening of these shelter or these more permanent housing is spring 2023. Uh, there's a mysterious deadly season in the middle of there that so many eyes went past these plans and every single person said, yep, this makes sense. And that doesn't make sense to me personally. Just the abject cruelty of seeing that you're kicking people out during the deadliest season. Not to mention, we did this once before. Lamport, Lamport 2, Alexandra, Trinity Bellwoods. We've, we know how the story goes. Why in the hell are we doing it again? Because the election's over, everyone's seat's safe, the mayor doesn't have to worry for another four years. It, it feels like it's because the election's over and there are no consequences. There are no consequences for hurting our most. Oh man, I'm really, uh, I'm really soapboxing here when I say there's no consequences for attacking our most vulnerable uh, communities. But it's true, it happens. You get some rabble rousers being like, "This is bad," but society just kind of like pretends it's fine. Because for a lot of people, solving homelessness isn't about getting people into homes; it's about making homelessness invisible. And I disagree with that. I, I believe that if you restored the unhoused, because, I mean, they weren't born homeless. If you can restore their former lives, they can become, number one, taxpayers, and they can become contributing members of society. I firmly believe that. 
And I mean, like a lot of people think, I mean, there's, there's many, we're not gonna, we're not gonna solve homelessness on this podcast. Well, actually, <laughs> actually we can. Uh, Toronto City Council has $2 billion in their reserve. <laughs> homeless is over. The homeless situation in Toronto is over. It's that simple, Philip. <laughs> That's right. Matt, this is going to be our project for the next four years and then beyond. Why are we wasting we'll it get... on the gardener? Why are we wasting it on the gardener? What a... <laughs> Why are we wasting it on the gardener? Excellent question, Matthew. Oh, good Lord. Why are we wasting it on the gardener? Wow, I love this podcast. You know, we we hit it off at the bang week one. We had Chloe last week, and this week we just solved the homeless problem in the city of Toronto. We're so good at this. <laughs> By the way, anyone that disagrees with us, the municipals pod at yahoo.com. Come at us. Ooh, it'd be very interesting to hear. Uh I would love to hear some hater comments. <laughs> oh. You send your hater comments to Philip. Send the nice stuff yeah. to me. <laughs> <laughs> at PJ Portillo, come at me, bro. <laughs> no, please. I'm actually very sensitive. So you said you wanted to delve deeper into um, some stuff. I think I shared. <laughs> now it's your turn. Uh-oh. Um, you know... So I feel like it's probably, I do want to say um, a major thing that has influenced my ideology, which is, uh, you know, are we, uh, we're cool bringing sort of religion slightly into this? Yeah, I'm good. So I, I wouldn't describe myself really, honestly, as a Christian now, which sounds whatever i would describe myself as spiritually lazy that's what i say to the uh, jehovah's witnesses when they come to the door and they ask me you know what i am i'm like i'm spiritually lazy uh <laughs> they don't enjoy it as much as i do but but i i grew up um my parents uh worked for the salvation army as uh as like priests like uh i know most people kind of associate the salvation army as just a charity but uh they also have like a church segment so um, I don't know why <laughs> there's a lot of stuff I don't agree with, um, you know, that you hear, especially coming out of like, say the Salvation Army in the United States, but like the stuff that I was taught when I was growing up, you know, the, the treat others as you'd want to be treated. Um, a lot of, <laughs> I feel like I've presented myself politically as a leftist, which I, I am. I, I feel like I am. And I feel like a lot of people do sort of feel like that's contrary to um, Christianity. You know, a, it's a very like, uh, I, I want to say conservative kind of thing. And again, as I said, I don't really consider myself a Christian, but a lot of my, my upbringing really does. Um, it does play into how I think about things. Um, I don't know, like <laughs> the importance of being charitable and 
being kind and forgiving and all that stuff. And I do feel like a lot of people don't really follow those those tenets, but I don't know. Was this very silly? Was this uh, off the no, cuff? No, no. You see, here's the problem. It's the words because you say certain words and then people will always associate with that. For example, if you had asked me back when I was in my Rob Ford heyday, I would have told you that I'm a right wing fiscal conservative. <laughs> but let's take a look at those three words. OK, let's start with right wing. Most people in this in in North America now associate right wing with Donald Trump. And I don't like Donald Trump, even if we were to all look past his dramatic outlandish only in TV land behavior to see maybe he did one or two good things by making everyone come back to America. Fine. You know, America first. But all of whatever he was able to accomplish will always be tarnished by the complete horseshit that he put all of us through, including January 6th. As, uh, as Chloe put it last week, from <laughs> from Monica Monica Lewinsky Lewinsky. to January sixth, um, politics is very fun. You know, like as a as a spectator thing. I mean, politics is very serious. People's lives depend on politics. But also, when when you get the chance to like observe, you know, you stand back a bit and observe. Politics is fun. So then we look at the word fiscal. Well, fiscal to me means you're a penny pincher. Rob Ford won the mayorship, whatever the fuck you want to call it, and went in there and he zipped up the purse strings and that's why everybody came for him. That's why. Had nothing to do with anything else. Had nothing to do with his family or who he knew or didn't know. It came with from the fact that he said no. David Miller never said no. And as much as I like Mel Lastman, I, I believe he had a hard time saying no. You know, John Tory never says no, except to the citizens of Toronto. Um, <laughs> he says no a lot, but not to the good things. Right. Or, not to what, what not I mean. to not to what he thinks are the good things. So I yeah. don't necessarily believe that being fiscal is a bad thing. And then there's that dirty word conservative. Because <laughs> I'll say this, conservative doesn't mean to me what it used to mean. I think I, I, I said this to you a while ago. I don't, I'm not a conservative. I was a Doug Ford guy because I was a Rob Ford guy. If anybody else was running as the conservative leader, if what's her face the minister, the minister of health. Uh, I can't remember her name. Oh, um, Carolyn Mulroney. No, no. Or the Sylvia old, Jones, the current. No, no, no. The old, the old oh. broad who left. Uh, <laughs> anyway, she was the deputy mayor and she was the minister of health. Anyway, I know who I'm talking about. I just can't think of her name. It it, it escapes me. It's it's actually driving me nuts. Um, if she had won the, um the leadership instead of Doug Ford, I maybe possibly wouldn't have voted, period. Um, I can tell you that I was never going to vote for Patrick Brown as the leader of the... I did like Tim Hudak. I will say that. As much as you you probably are going to shit all over that. I did like Tim Hudak. You know, what's, what's going to save you is... Uh, what's very interesting about my political knowledge is 
uh, I mostly started paying attention from 2015 on. Okay, that was uh, Justin Trudeau versus Stephen Harper. That was uh, Donald Trump versus Hillary Clinton. Um, that that's mostly like where. So I don't even wow way to squeaky voice it myself. Uh, so I don't even really know uh, too much about Tim Hudak. Like obviously I know about Mike Harris, and yes, I realize that's before that time. Um, well, I just want to be clear that I was too young to vote for Mike Harris. <laughs> <laughs> oh, me as well. But and in fact, uh, as a bit of a, I also do so. Interestingly enough, as I just said to you, my my political paying attention really starts in 2015. But what's very interesting is something that my parents really instilled in me was how important it was to vote. But and I I want you to kind of I hope you take this in as funny as I do. They didn't they didn't teach me the importance of researching candidates, you know, looking up policies, platforms. The only thing that was important to me was to vote. I never looked into anything. You didn't know but, what the issues were. Right. And I mean, I, I realize now that that does come from a point of privilege where politics doesn't affect you. I mean, it was it was easier when I was younger and I didn't have to, you know, work to take care of myself. You know what I mean? I You're, <laughs> you're preaching to the choir. I, I understand what you're saying. Um, but... I will say for 2010, uh, the mayoral election, I uh, I voted for Rob Ford, which is and again, as I as I said, I didn't I didn't pay attention for the most part. But there were there were two things that I remember about Rob Ford, you know, and I, I think I've sort of taken that. I think conservatives are very good at messaging. I think they're very good at like getting these ideas out there that like cling to people. Cause again, for me who considered, I consider myself politically not there gravy train that, that hooked onto my brain. I got that. I was like, Oh, gravy, bad. Stopping that good. You know, very simple. And the other thing was uh, a video. I remember he did, I think it was on Facebook or, you know, it was something where he was pulling out all of these uh, benefits, these benefit cards that counselors receive for being counselors. And he and he'd said, and I one hundred percent even like down agree with him. He's like, you know, we get paid a good amount of money to do our jobs. Why are we getting these benefits as well? You know, like a, a TTC pass for free, and most of them already drive. Like it, it wasn't even uh, relevant to them. But it's like, why couldn't if if these had to go if these had to exist anyways? No, no, actually, no. His whole thing was getting rid of them. You know. For the, and I I agreed with that because again, counselors are paid. I mean, it's less good now, inflation wise, but you know, it's a solid it's a solid salary, and you know, you get all those things. He was he was right, and the only thing I remember about his main opposition, George Smitherman, was some sort of scandal, some liberal e-health scandal and that, again when i tell you that i think conservatives are better at messaging i don't know the details of that scandal i didn't look into it i just knew there was one so i voted for Rob Ford. <laughs> you know what's funny is that he was counselor for many 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 years but 
not until he ran for mayor did it make the media that in 1999 he was arrested in Florida for a DUI. Huh. Interesting. I guess they save shit up. But I, I think they do, though. Which It's <laughs> funny that like you say it like that, but it, it just occurs to me, I think they do. You know? Like, uh. I mean, I'm, I'm even just thinking now, like, um, like, I have to think with Justin Trudeau, and uh and the blackface just you know for example actually it almost no it almost makes you think they didn't have it at the time because why wouldn't they have brought it up in 2015 or maybe they really didn't think he was gonna win i don't know i'm I'm speculating too much i'm just jumping all over the place uh no all he had to say was i'm going to legalize weed he didn't have to say anything else after that because people there was a large uh, uh contingent of people that already hated stephen harper and then this guy comes along. He's not Stephen Harper, and he wants to legalize weed. Boom, sold. <laughs> Hell yeah! He didn't have to. <laughs> honestly, he didn't have to say another word after that. Um, and I, I mean, more importantly, I do think it is. It's more like the momentum of uh, our Canadian politics, which is it's regardless of how good or bad. Justin Trudeau campaigned, no matter how good or bad Stephen Harper campaigned, we always kind of have this, we get sick of, of governments. They, they really do stay in power. Our federal governments, they stay in power for a very long time. Look how long John Christian was in power. Yeah. 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 So it's like, we really do just like, they just stick around and eventually we're like, God, we're sick of this shit. And just, it, it's never really an endorsement of the other policies. It's really just like, come on, <laughs> let's get a new face in. Yep. So it's very interesting politics. Do you have any announcements to make in terms of next week? Do we have a guest? Uh, I'm going to say yes. And I, I know I'm framing this very strangely. And that's mostly because I'm not a confident guy myself, but. I, I did well, talk don't, to him. I feel don't don't announce it. Let's let's uh, let's hook people so they'll have to tune in. Hey, I'm good with that. Next <laughs> week, guest who's very cool. That's I think amazing. he's cool. I like him. Uh, and I we're can't... gonna get to gossip about some juicy election goss. There was there was some controversy uh, with these guys. So again, not not spoiling, but controversy, and it's fun, and I'm gonna be very excited about it. That's amazing. And as previously stated, next week will be our last episode before we break for two weeks so that Phil and I can fill up on turkey and stuffing and cranberry sauce and, oh, the apple pie. <laughs> and, of course, prepare ourselves uh, speak to our good friend Philip the Cruz. The week we come back, absolutely. Uh, good, things are, good things are happening. You know, I had a rough weekend, but... Good things are on the horizon. I can't really speak to it right now, but I will soon. <laughs> and uh, I can't wait. Um, but I think that is all for this episode. Phil, did you have anything you wanted to add before we signed out of here? Uh, you know what? I, I don't believe so. I think I'm just going to once more remind everyone about what I think is a great political shirt that really represents my ideology, which is uh, my tummy hurts and I'm mad at the government. 
And uh, I think we'll get into a lot more of that next week. We gotta, as we will every week. We got to get that in the merch shop. Uh, for those of you listening, <laughs> we are going to be having the merch shop up. It's probably not going to be in time for Christmas, but it will be in the new year. Um, it's For me, it's a process. Uh, as you guys know, Phil and I both work. So we do this podcast at night and, you know, we also have kids. So sometimes things have to wait. We'll get there. Anyway, so for for Phil and myself, uh, thank you guys for listening. And we will be here next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. Oh, wait, is that trademarked? Oh, well. (laughs) Nah, we're not getting sued, baby. We got lawyers.